You're listening to Fit Girl, Your Guide to Getting in Shape, podcast episode number 208. I'm Kira Langolf, your host and guide to getting in shape. As a professional fitness trainer, it's my job to get clients in shape quickly and keep them healthy. In this podcast, I'll reveal to you the shape-up secrets I use along with training, nutrition, and motivational tips and advice. I'll set you straight on what works and what is a waste of time, and I'll be your guide to your best body ever. Check out my websites at fitnessmakeover.com and coachkira.com. In this episode, One Arm Row Video, a new look at problem solving and the big three and how they influence your fat loss. Just one little thing before we start, I have completely redone the fitnessmakeover.com site. So if you haven't been there in a while, go check it out. It's looking great. Now, speaking of that site, you will also find there some of the iPod PT, and that's the iPod workouts, PT standing for personal training, that you can put into your iPhone or iPod or whatever to use either just for audio cues as far as having a trainer right there in your ear telling you what to do each set, each repetition, motivating, um, also for cardio workouts as well. And the reason I'm telling you that is because our first segment here on training is going to be a video. It's the one arm row with the cable and you can download it and you can put it into your iPod or iPhone or whatever and maybe add it to a collection of different exercises so that if you're ever in doubt, you can look at it and say, oh yes, this is the way I'm supposed to do it. Now, with the video exercises that I post that you can download, they have instructions as well. So you won't be just looking, you can also listen to understand what you should be feeling and what you should be doing with that exercise. Because as you should know by now, it's not just doing an exercise that gets you in shape. It's doing it the right way and feeling the right muscle while you are doing that. And it's never more true than when you're training your back. Because most people do not do their back exercises correctly. They pull with the shoulders and maybe they feel a little bit in the back, but they're really not generating the power from the muscles in the back. And it's very important to do this because your back is a very large muscle group and it is certainly integral to fat loss because the more muscle you have, the faster your metabolism is. And most people, for some reason, forget that there's the muscles in the back. Maybe they do some pull downs, maybe a set or two of row, but they'll do 10 times more for legs or some other body part that they want to focus on. And the fact is that muscle of the back being so complex, you really do need to do as much or more than you would for other body parts. Now, when training your back, it's certainly okay to get a good stretch, whether you're doing a row or a pull down to, you know, certainly get that stretch as you go up. But you definitely have to remember to engage the shoulder blades, pull your shoulder blades back and down. Ideally, you would begin your movement like that, getting a stretch in whatever position and then pulling your shoulders back and down and then pulling through using the muscles of the back and using your arms just as a guide for the weights. And I think that's where most people get messed up because they pull too hard with the arms or maybe they pull all with the arms and then just get a little bit of a squeeze in the shoulder blade at the end. In reality, you want to be initiating those muscles in the back from the from the beginning of that movement. And it's not so easy to do and it requires patience, which is something we're going to cover in the next podcast. But you 
definitely have to have some patience with trying to get those back muscles to feel. And once you get it, the light bulb goes off and you're good. You can feel those back muscles on every single exercise and you kind of wonder how did I ever do it the other way, which is just pulling mostly with the arms. Now, of course, if you find that your shoulders and your biceps are getting tired before your back does, then that's telling you something right there. But a lot of times those are supportive muscles and they are smaller, so they might get a little bit tired as you get to the end of your back exercise. But if you find those arms and shoulders completely taking over the exercise, then you know it's time to either lower the weight or go back to the drawing board and figure out how you can feel the back muscles and not use the arms. Now this is definitely one of the most frustrating parts of being a personal trainer because I know how to make that muscle feel and work and initiate from using those back muscles, but I can't necessarily jump inside your body and make you feel the same thing. So trying to describe it and trying to tell you what you should be feeling is not as easy, um, easier said than done. Now in the video, you're gonna notice that there's not a whole lot of movement. There's not throwing my body forward or back. Your whole body is staying nice and tight. Now, in this one, the row I'm doing is standing. And you can adjust a pull sometimes up or down, or maybe you're using resistance bands for this exercise. Either one would be really good to do. You definitely don't wanna do dumbbells because that motion horizontal like that, not gonna be good for your shoulders. So focusing on cables or resistance bands. Now, of course, you always start with your perfect posture, shoulders back, down, and think about pulling your shoulders away from your ears. Think of having a nice long neck and having really good posture, and that's gonna keep you in the right spot. So as you stretch forward, you might stretch through the back, and if you bend a little bit to stretch, that's fine, but you have to remember that you need to get back into that perfect posture position first. So when you're starting out just trying to learn how to feel the back muscles, you're better off just staying in your perfect posture. Let your arm extend fully and then pull it back. Now with a row, you wanna get that elbow back as far as you can. Now that does not mean turning your body. You don't turn your body. You wanna maybe a slight little turn towards that arm, but you're not really turning all the way to the side. You are pulling the elbow back as far as you can. And what you'll find is when you do that, even if you're doing it right now, not doing the exercise, you'll find your body does turn just a hair towards that arm. And that's the best way to get the entire back muscle involved. Now always think of the hand as a guide. It may start a little bit of the pull, but once you get going, it's pulling back from the shoulder blade. And then, here's the best part, try to keep your shoulder blade tight or keep those muscles tight as you come back to the beginning. So just like if you were doing a bicep exercise, you bring the barbell up and you squeeze your biceps and then you keep your biceps tight on the way down, well, you need to do the same thing for your back muscles, no matter what exercise it is. So you pull back, you squeeze that muscle, and then you keep that muscle tight as you go forward. Now, most people will tend to go right back to that completely straight arm position, and that's not usually a good idea. If you keep your elbows slightly bent, you'll be better off because you'll be able to keep a little bit of that shoulder blade engaged and feel more of the back while you're doing it. Now, the more you do it and the more you focus on feeling it the right way, not just giving up and saying, forget it, I'm gonna do it the way I know and just start throwing your arm back and forth, the better your results are gonna be. Now, for you ladies concerned about adding bulky muscle, that's just not gonna happen. But you do have that lean muscle, which not only helps to support your posture, but 
boost the metabolism. And you're not going to really see a whole lot because the back is such a complex muscle, but you are going to see the benefits of your back training. So that's why it's just as important to do your back training or as much of it as you do, say, for legs. So you can download the video at the fitgirlguide.blogspot.com site. I'll also post it on the fitnessmakeover.com site. And that way you can really get a better idea of what you should be doing with that one arm row. And the main point is that you just keep your body nice and tight. You're always keeping the abdominals tight. Belly button pressed into the spine, perfect posture, using your breathing. And then the rest of it is just the focus on using the back muscles to pull. And again, once that light bulb goes on and you feel those muscles, you're going to feel a whole different aspect of your training. And you're definitely going to get stronger, but you're going to feel a huge difference in your posture. Now, keep in mind that whenever you're changing something up, you usually have to drop down in weight. So don't be afraid to go lighter in weight. It's always better to go lighter and get a good feel because your strength will come and you can increase the weight whenever. So the weight is just a guide to help you work the muscle the best you can. Now in nutrition, we certainly have a lot to cover. We're going to talk about the big three, and these are the big three supplements, zinc, magnesium, and vitamin D, and how they can affect your fat loss. Now keep in mind, you should always consult with your doctor if you think you have a vitamin deficiency. Your doctor would know if you are taking different medications that might be interfering with your supplements or supp supplements that might interfere with your medication. So it's always a good idea to check with them and see if you need to maybe have some tests done or whatever to figure out your levels. So with that said, always be safe about adding supplements into your plan. Now, when it comes to fat loss and metabolism, do zinc, magnesium, and vitamin D have any effects? Yes, they do. And the reason, well, I'm going to get to that. But first, let me tell you, many people are low in one or more of these three nutrients and don't even know it. So if you think you're deficient in any of these three, well, your fat loss attempts are going to be kind of sluggish. And that might be one indication that you're not getting enough of these and you need to go get your levels tested, or at least talk to your doctor about it. Now, you've probably heard a lot about vitamin D lately, especially with Dr. Oz and different news sources. And having sufficient vitamin D will definitely increase your fat burning. And it'll inhibit the production of enzymes that make your body store fat. So you kind of get a double whammy on the positive side for fat burning. Now, there's direct evidence that higher vitamin D can actually suppress hunger and elevate insulin sensitivity, which is what you want in order to lose weight. So, of course, you're helping yourself to eat less, and you're also helping yourself to lose weight by maintaining some of those blood sugar levels and with the ins insulin sensitivity. Okay, so that one's almost a no-brainer because you've probably heard about it already. But let's get on to the other two of the big three. And one of them is magnesium. Now, magnesium also makes your cell receptors more reactive to insulin. And again, that kind of goes all along with the whole fat loss process. But magnesium has also been shown to be inversely proportional to body fat levels, which means the higher magnesium level contributes to leanness. Now, of course, we focus on body composition, but there are so many other reasons to increase your magnesium levels, especially if they're low. And some of the different things that can be affected or improved, I should say, would be your 
physical performance, so that's if you're involved in a sport or maybe just playing tennis on the weekend or working out. Better sleep, because the magnesium helps improve the regulation of your heart and greater cardiovascular health going hand in hand. And of course, calming the nervous system is a big advantage to better sleep and just to better recovery. You know, the lower your cortisol levels are, the better you're going to recover from your workouts, and the better you're going to look because of those workouts. Now, research was actually done with subjects who suffer from insomnia, and they showed that raising daily magnesium intake to about 500 milligrams led to much less anxiety and thus better sleep. And again, better rest means less of that stress hormone cortisol. And remember, high cortisol levels limit your fat loss. So if you're stressed all the time, you're not going to be losing fat as effectively or as quickly. Now, zinc, we had talked about in podcast episode number 207. And as you remember, zinc has a very important role in insulin and health. It improves the growth of your cell-protecting enzymes, and it helps to remove unhealthy compounds that can actually restrict your metabolic function. Now, low zinc can also contribute to some other major health problems, such as poor brain function, cancer, heart disease. Um, We went through all of that in that last episode, and you probably know by now that you should have these levels checked, or at least start doing some research on your own to learn more about them, and if you have any of the symptoms that would correspond with low levels of zinc or magnesium or vitamin D. Now, it's always important to talk to your doctor before you add any supplements to your current plan. But you also want to do a little bit of your own research to present an educated reason to your doctor why you think you might need these supplements or at least be tested for a deficiency in them. Because you need to know that your doctor or nutritionist might not be an expert in these particular vitamins. So it's always best to present some solid information to help them so they can help you. Now, in regards to these particular vitamins, it's been found that supplementing each one separately works best. Now, here's why. Because with vitamin D, most people actually need to build up their levels first and then maintain. Since so many people are low in vitamin D, they need to take between 2,000 to 5,000 international units of vitamin D a day to ensure that their levels are at the adequate amount for a normal healthy level. Now, of course, everyone's different and some people will benefit from a higher dose taken twice weekly. Some people don't really even need much more than what they're already getting. So obviously for best results, you wanna make sure that you have your level tested and then supplement accordingly. Now, another reason why these vitamins are better taken separately is because magnesium works better as a blend. So finding a blend of magnesium is going to be your best bet for this one, and you don't usually find that in a multivitamin. Now, a combination of different forms of magnesium, such as uh, magnesium bound with fernate, uh, glycinate, taurate, all these words that are really ending in eight and hard to say. So you can read that on the Fit Girl Guide blogspot.com site, they all work well together. And so basically, those are the higher forms or more quality forms of magnesium. And you definitely get what you pay for when it comes to magnesium because these better forms are metabolized much more efficiently and they're more effective than the cheaper forms such as magnesium oxide. So again, you want to look for things that end in eight instead of oxide for magnesium. 
Now you may or may not know, but some vitamins do have toxic levels which can be dangerous. And zinc is one of those. So you definitely want to get your levels tested because it is a nutrient that can build up to toxic levels in your body. And certainly you don't want to be making yourself sick or unhealthy when you're trying to become healthy. So if you suspect that your zinc levels are low, um, you may have to supplement with zinc for a few months and retest to evaluate your levels. And you know what, for some people, just a regular multivitamin is all they need. So the bottom line is, some of these things you may be deficient or low or need to help increase your fat loss. Either way, always talk to your doctor first, get your levels tested, and then you can go from there to find out if it's something that is inhibiting your fat loss or not. In motivation, we're going to talk about finding solutions to problems. And just like you learned in the vitamin section or the nutrition section, is that sometimes your problem is not a slow metabolism, not the wrong workout. It's that some of your vitamin levels are too low. So finding solutions to problems are always changing because your, well, your problems are changing all the, all the time too. So how do you do some creative problem solving? Well, we're going to go over seven tips or maybe seven steps to help you find a solution to some of these problems that you might have or might be ongoing. So first, take a step back and think of how many times you've felt completely stumped knowing that you have a problem, but you really don't think you can solve it. You don't have any ideas, no options, no solutions seem possible at all. Now, did it feel like you had exhausted all possible options? and there was still a big mountain to try to conquer that was like almost impossible. Sometimes when we're heading towards very big, enormous problems, we'll feel like we're banging our head against the wall. And even worse, the pressure of having to solve such a problem can be overwhelming. And maybe you just want to stick your head in the sand and just forget about it, but you know what? The problem won't go away by doing that. It'd be great if it did, but it doesn't. Now, sometimes you just need to take a look at a problem in a different way. And this could be any day-to-day -day problem. It could be your weight loss. It could be how to fit your eating into uh, your daily program or how to get your workouts done. So creative problem-solving techniques are ways that can help you find solutions to some of these problems or maybe some of these instances that seem like they're impossible. And sometimes you get that little light at the end of the tunnel and that leads to some really solid solutions. Now, first of all, you have to be open-minded to the fact that there's more than one solution to any problem. Okay, there's more than one way to figure out how to get your workouts in. There's more than one way to plan how you're going to get the right time of your meals in. So basically, you just have to be open to the fact that there's probably solutions to some of your problems that you thought were impossible. Now let's move on to step one. Step one is just take a look. Take a look at your problem. Maybe the reason you can't solve your problem is that you haven't really taken a good hard look at what the problem is or maybe what the source of the problem is. Sometimes we're kind of looking at the surface and we're not looking at the source or the originating point of this problem. So first you need to define and understand what the problem is. Then having a concrete understanding of how this problem is working and, and what it's doing to you is going to be very key to solving it. If you know how it works, then you have a better idea of how you can solve it. 
Now, once you get that part, you want to identify different entities and the relationships that are causing your problems. So is it work that's making it hard for you to keep on schedule? Is it racing from here to there that's making it impossible to get your workouts in? And how do those relate to each other? So take note of these things and you can start to think of some creative ways to solve the problem. Basically, you just want to come up with a statement of what your problem is. You know, a specific one, just like you would with your goals. Now, step two is to think of the assumptions that you've made about this problem. So are there some constraints or assumptions that, you know, you're putting on this problem that don't really exist or maybe are not as severe as you think they are? Sometimes it's, it's these uh, assumptions that obstruct your view of your solutions. So you have to identify which assumptions are valid and which need to be addressed. And a lot of times with this, it's saying, I don't have time. Well, is that really valid? Some days, yes. But over the course of a week, you probably do have that half hour or that one hour that it might take to make your meals from start to stop. Or you do maybe have the 15 minutes a day to get a little bit of exercise in. Some days, yeah, you're pushed to the limit, and that's certainly the issue. But identify what you're assuming in your head that is inhibitive of these problems, or I should say that's inhibiting your solution to these problems. Now, step three is to solve it by parts, just like we do with our goal setting. Break it down into smaller parts. So solve it from going from your general view of I don't have any time towards the more detailed parts of the problem. I don't have enough time to get a workout done, to eat, to sleep. You know, what is it? Write it down. Each one is a question. And then you can easier, it'll be easier to come up with a solution to these little problems and then add them all up. So it's kind of called the top-down approach. Basically, you just come up with a one-sentence solution for each one of the little steps towards your problem. And as each one builds, you start knocking it off until you find your real solution. Now, your solution should be basically a, a general statement of what your problem is. I don't have time to do anything. Okay, well, my solution is going to be to find time to do things by breaking them down into little parts. So from here, you can take that solution further and increase it and kind of get a little more detailed for each little part. And of course, just like anything else, it's like a puzzle. You put it all together and there you go. You've got the path that you want and the solution you want. Or at least you have the answers to some of the assumptions or some of the problems that maybe you're putting in yourself without even realizing it. And we do that all the time with the whole, I don't have time, or that's too hard for me, or I'm just not that type of person. I mean, those are all excuses, basically. Now, the next step is kind of the fun part. It's be creative. So, you know, you need to have some critical thinking and some analytical thinking to solve a problem, but you also need to have some creativity. So if someone, or even yourself, comes up with a perspective solution. Sometimes you go to a trainer and they say, well, why don't you just do 15 minutes before you go to bed? You know, think about that and think about how you might be able to make that solution work. So creativity could be in the form of, okay, before I go to bed, I'm going to 
do this routine or I'm going to start incorporating um, this routine into my lunch period for 10 minutes or whatever and start adding it up through the day. So sometimes people have ideas and we instantly put up roadblocks to those solutions when we really need to be just a little more open-minded and say, yeah, you know what, I probably could make that work. And that's kind of going into our number five and six as well. It's important to remember that there's more than one solution. And that's number five, more solutions. There's always more than one solution than you think. We don't always see it right, right in front of us, but you know what, there's always more ways that you can solve a problem. And keeping track of problems and solutions and the process that you go through to find solutions or find, when I say solutions, find ways to work things into your daily life that are, well, problems right now. Obviously, if you're not getting your meals in or if you're not um, relaxing, those are all problems that need solutions. So kind of keep track of what your process is so that the next time you have a problem, it's that much easier to solve. Now, the other thing is two heads are better than one. And it is so true. If you're open to new ideas, you can talk to someone, you can hear something, you can listen to something and say, you know, I might be able to do that. And I'm going to go ahead and do that and see if it works for me. Notice how I didn't say try, because try is going to set you up for failure. You're going to do it and see if it solves your problem, because it either does or it doesn't. Now, when it comes to two heads being better than one, keep in mind that a lot of times other people have gone through whatever you're going through right now or they've had a very similar experience and have been able to solve the problems, kind of like myself. You know, I've been there, I've been in your shoes, I know what it's like to want to lose weight and think you're doing everything right and find out that you're not and to take that leap of faith to change things to get the permanent weight loss that we all seek. And that's not easy, I know, because we're so ingrained as far as what we're supposed to do. And sometimes just stepping out there and saying, okay, I'm not gonna do cardio, I'm gonna focus on my weight training, and then boom, all of a sudden, hey, I can eat what I want. And it's a great feeling that you know that, you know what, four times a week, an hour, I can handle that, an hour or less, and doing no cardio, and I can still eat what I want and stay in shape. Now, doesn't that sound great? Well, I've been there, I've done that, that's where I am now, and I want you to have that too because it certainly makes life a lot easier, especially as you have children and family and work and all this kind of stuff. The less time that you can spend in the gym and the less time you can worry about what you're eating certainly is going to be much more beneficial in the long run and much less stressful. Yeah, sure, you can't eat junk all the time, but you know, we are all trying to eat our best, meaning just make good choices. So again, learning from other people's mistakes or learning from other people's experiences so that you don't make the same mistakes. Now the last key or step is to be patient. And of course, nothing ever goes right the first time, so sometimes you have to just keep pushing on. And nobody was able to create any fantastic invention or solve any huge problem the first time around. Sometimes you have to learn from the different trials that you go through. And patience kind of goes with perseverance. Now, you know, I remember early on one of my dogs that I had, everybody said, oh, well, that type of dog is stubborn. And I said, you know what? She's not stubborn. She's persistent. You know, she wanted something. She wasn't, she wasn't being stubborn about it. She just kept trying again and again and again and again. She was very persistent about trying to, I don't know, whether it was get a toy that she couldn't reach or, you know, whatever the case may be. But there's a big difference between stubborn and persistent. So try to be patient and persistent so that you can continue 
pushing on. You may get the solution right away. You most likely won't. Sometimes you just have to evaluate what has and has not worked. Again, not try something, but evaluate. This worked, this didn't work. Because basically, you know, either you are happy with the way you are right now, or you're not. I mean, there's no in-between. We all know that we have room for improvement, but you also need to know that, you know what, if I really want to improve, I can do it. I'm not going to try to do it, but I can do it. Yes, it takes effort, it takes planning, it takes problem solving, but I can do it. Now here's some homework for you, or think of it as a mind exercise instead of a body exercise. This is to help you with your creative problem solving. You can take a piece of paper and write down any word that comes to mind in the center, and then you look at that word and write the next two words that come to your mind. And then go on and on and build a, a, basically like a tree or a mind map of related words. And this helps you build some of those analogical skills and helps to increase your creativity. So next time you see a problem you think you can't solve, you can think again. And the solution might just be staring you right in the face. All it takes is a little creative thinking and then some planning. And of course, a whole lot of work. And I'm going to throw in there some persistence too. Because I know you're not stubborn, you're just persistent. You know what you want, and you're going to keep doing different actions to get it. As always, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to giving you all the insights to help you reach all of your goals and to help you get your best body ever. If you'd like additional information on these topics and more articles on health, nutrition, and motivation, visit fitnessmakeover.com, allinoneworkout.com, or coachkira.com.